just for 30 seconds, I'm going to go check on my dinner because it is cooking. You go ahead, mate. What are you cooking? Shepherd's pie. Uh, the rock and roll list of all dinners, uh, the shepherd's pie. And I've got a little bit of smoked paprika in there just to give it a little, little bit of fun. Um, it's got, yeah, it's going to be really tasty. But I need to go check on it. Go check on it. Go check it. <laughs> this is Sheer Isolation. It's presented by Kieran Moore in Trowbridge and John Ponting in Cricklade. Oh, 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 it is chef's kiss. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Sheer Isolation. I am John in Cricklade. My colleague, Kieran, is in Trowbridge, looking rather cool for some bizarre reason. Hi, Kieran. You know what I really hate, John? The sort of people that wear glasses, like shades indoors. They're the worst kind. But I've just noticed I put my shades on and because I'm outdoors, everything's super bright. So it's, um, it's wonderful. You look like a blind man. <laughs> Right, yeah, fair enough. I guess they're not actually that dark in real life, but they, they look proper like blacked out glasses. <laughs> no, they're not. They're um they're really cheap glasses from like um I don't know, the pound shop. Anyway, the purpose of this show is to promote the local music and arts scene across the west of England. We do that every week by playing a couple of tracks and talking to a guest from the industry. No different this week, we're being joined by a cartoon illustrator, uh, Jess Bradley. She's got a new book coming out, so we'll be talking to her about that. We're doing the, the kind of the push and the promotion thing this week, Kieran. Love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I do love promoting good, positive things. <laughs> and yeah, Kieran, since, uh, since our last podcast last week, we've had a heck of a weekend. Saturday night was the big night. The cheese and grain, me and you, a few drinks. Um, it all got a bit messy. There was friends. There was love. There was music. It was just wonderful. We all got horrifically. Um, what, what's all this all, we all? Some of us had to drive. <laughs> Some of us yeah, had to drive you, you home. All of us but you. <laughs> which, which, John, I cannot thank you enough. It was wonderful. It was just a magical evening. Uh, Saturday, I woke up a little bit. Sorry, Sunday, I woke up a little bit of a hangover. Not too bad. That evening, went back to the cheese and grain again. Watched the Lost Trades. James Harriman, uh, Robin Calvert. And the headline is the Blackwater County Band. Um, big face-melting, punk rock, jiggy, flogging, moggy style. And then... Monday, we had David Young from the Vicks funeral for, for a really sad event. It was incredibly an uplifting experience. And I cannot wish all my love to Anna um, and the rest of her family and Dave's family. Yeah. And long, long will his memory remain. So what an amazing weekend, even if it was slightly tempered by something we would all rather not have done. It was still a brilliant, wonderful, lovely experience. Talking of the wonderful weekend we had, let's talk about our first song and our product placement. Because the first song we're going to play is Luke DeSisio, and he happens to be my product placement this week. Yay! I don't actually know where he lives now. I want to say Bath. I think he's based in Bath. Uh, but I know him from Swindon, from the Swindon scene. The guy called Luke DeSisio. This is an album called Goodbye Folk Boy. You can just about say it's quite a dark album cover, but um, it is the most gorgeous. It'll be even you- darker with your sunglasses on. Yeah. You follow me on Instagram. I did put a wicked picture of this vinyl up, but look at that! Look at that smoky red vinyl. It's just gorgeous. You get the sunlight through that. It's like chef's kiss. A bit like Kirsty Clinch last week. His videos are a work of art, and this video is no exception. It's a wonderful video for a wonderful musician and a wonderful song. Um, it's called "I Gave You All My Love." And the thing is that you, you bought two of his vinyls, didn't you? And, and I, I don't want to kind of blow me on trumpet here, but... John, what? John, what did you just say? You bought two of his vinyl? He said vinyls. Did I? 
full of vinyl is vinyl. They're like sheep. <laughs> I didn't even notice myself doing that. You brought two of his vinyl. Yes, I did. <laughs> Actually, John, I bought one. It was buy one, get one free. But I can't tell if that's because it's my birthday or not. I don't know. All right, okay. <laughs> uh, you would have left them in the venue as well if it wasn't for me. <laughs> yes, I would have done. <laughs> Thanks for saving them for me, John. <laughs> Spin the world beneath my feet, peace and porcelain that brush off the street, putting needles in a tree. Finding rhythm in a string I've been moving through a dream Never felt so much like a thief with my Love is where a woman dies. 
with Luke's music, it's it's not like chuck it on in the background whilst you're cooking music or, you know, in a noisy bar. It's headphone, dial in, and for a moment, let him take you away somewhere. And it's that really ethereal kind of really nods to the 60s. There's loads of like Nick Drake notes in there or you know, even a bit Dylan-esque in there. Lots of wonderful influences. And he's just fantastic. I, I found his, his vocals to be quite haunting in, in a good way. Yeah, they very much really kind of get in into you, don't they? They do, they do. Yeah. I've listened to that album quite a lot since the weekend. He's got two, he gave me two albums. One of them is a dark album with like menacing lyrics, and one of them is a light album with really lovely lyrics. And so I've been listening to them quite a lot since I got them for both phases of my weekend, the dark and the lights. <laughs> so yeah, that, that track was I Gave You All My Love from uh, Luke Decisio. Right, uh, you've already done your bit of product placement, so I'm going to move straight on to my bit of product placement, which is in relation to our, our guest this week. I can't remember when this book came out. Was it earlier this year or, or at the end of last year? It is called A Day in the Life of a Poo, a New and You. It's kind of a, a kid's encyclopedia. So if okay. I just open a couple of the pages, you see, it, it talk, this, oh. this particular page is uh, talking all about <gasps> the squid. The colossal squid! Tells you everything about squid. This page mm. tells you all about plants and Japanese knotweed. Uh, I was going to say for people who like horrible history, everybody loves horrible history. Yes, and it, it's done in that kind of style, that kind of comedic fashion. But this little mini encyclopedia was, was coloured in and illustrated. I shouldn't say coloured in, that's rude. Illustrated. She's <laughs> <laughs> a colouring in her. <laughs> By this week's guest, who is uh, Jess Bradley. So she doesn't just do books. She's also done stuff for the Beano. And her styling and her, her work is very bespoke to her. You can look at it and say, oh, that's, that's clearly something from Jess. She's got a new book coming out. So, so we thought we'd invite her on and uh, have a chat to her. I pretty much started doing stuff straight out of uni, which would have been 2003, and it all up, basically, because <laughs> I was young and I didn't know what I was doing. And I ended up working in a comic shop for about three and a half years in Bristol um, and got into self-publishing. I just started building up all my work and then just sending stuff off to publishers and seeing if there'd be any bites and didn't get any for a while because a lot of uh, like tr- uh, especially traditional kids publishing they are very set in their ways about what they like and like cartoony work just wasn't what they wanted really so I that's why I started self-publishing a lot of my stuff but then comics got cool and everybody wants them now so <laughs> well the question to- is when were comics not cool because <laughs> I did illustration at university and I swear you mentioned the C word uh, not that C word mm. comic C word <laughs> they just didn't want to know and it was so frustrating but now of course you've got sequential illustration degrees which is awesome but yeah it's been so hard to get publishers to see that yeah kids do like comics there's you know there's a market <laughs> for it and it was through my, one of my self-published books that I got into The Phoenix, which is... Oh, weekend. I know The Phoenix. Yes. Subscription-based. I had that for my son, actually, many, many years ago. Oh, did you? Ah, I've, I've been with them for, God, it's nearly seven years now. Yeah, I sent them off some samples. Oh, a bit of, there's a bit of my West Country coming out there. Some samples. Samples. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I've just been doing my comic for them ever since. And then um, it was through a f- another kind of mutual friend in comics that saw myself in the Phoenix and recommended me to the Beano. 
and that's how I just write for them. I don't do any drawing for them because I, I'm not good enough for the Beano. <laughs> um, I do write for them. And, uh, yeah, I think I've been writing for them for since 2018, I think. That is a dream, isn't it, to write for the Beano? Actually, coasting on imposter syndrome with the Beano, I really struggle to come up with ideas for the Beano. It's like my own ideas are fine because my work's very stupid, and yeah, but with, with the Beano, it's very, it's still quite traditional in certain ways. And there, there's a lot of things you're not allowed to do with the characters. Like, right. poo jokes. no. Whereas in the Phoenix, they're like, can we get some more poo in this joke? And <laughs> very, especially I was writing Billy Wiz for quite a while. And <sighs> there's only so many stories you can write about a kid who runs fast. And it's sort of really... <laughs> And a couple of times you, I'd submit a script and they go, somebody did that one last year, you might have to do another one. So, And they're very aware that, you know, 70 odd years worth of comics, there's only a certain set of ideas you can recycle. I send some sample work off to someone and they go, oh, not quite right. And then four years later, you'd hear, oh, I don't know if you remember, you sent me some samples four years ago. Do you want to work on this project? And it's it's really weird the way it sort of happens. So, and, I, and I quite like that, actually, what you described, because it does show that, you know, you, you apply for a job and they keep your details on record. Art is very similar to music in many respects, that creative approach. And yeah. That with artists apply for a gig and I go, not right now. I haven't got quite the yeah, line, ex- but yeah, it's yeah. all sort of right place, right time. Has lockdown not really or COVID not really affected your your workflow? Because people are still reading comics. Oh yeah, well it was funny because when it first started kicking off, it was just before the London Book Fair, which is like the biggest publishing event in the UK, and everyone was going mental. So like on Twitter, I'm friends with like loads of. Uh, like editors and art directors and stuff and just general like illustrators and artists and everyone was like oh how is this going to affect publishing oh and once everybody realized they could work from home and it was actually okay yeah it was it was fine I think besides the whole mental exhaustion and mental health aspect of everything going on um yeah publishing's been doing fine and I mean if anything I've had more work I was a bit of a hermit before lockdown anyway you know, again, apart from like the mental part of it, 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 it didn't affect anything too much for me, which is good. But I mean, yeah, I, I know a lot of friends who have lost a lot of work and like musicians and actors and stuff, yeah. which, which really sucks. Every, every time you talk about your past, I kind of think you're, you're just living out spaced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, it's it's quite nice because all of my friends are pretty much hermits too. And we, we're just all like, on like <laughs> on Twitter and um, Facebook Messenger. So it's, it's we've got like little bubble groups of people we talk to on, on Facebook. So it's quite nice in a way. I mean, thank God for social media because I'm the worst at ringing up people. Or if someone rings me, I check. If I don't recognise the number, I'll check it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I do that. Really bad. Was it last year when the, the, this one came out, The Day in the Life? Was yes. It, uh, yeah. How did you get involved with this one? And it kind of steamrolled, really, because it ended up on Blue Peter and all sorts, didn't it? I think it was, oh God, it was when we were still in our old house in Bristol. It must have been about 2000 and, I want to say 2011, so I'll stick with that. I did like a, a comic for us, like a free science, like newspaper comic. 
and it, it was called A Day in the Life of a Poo. And it was literally just a one page story about a cow doing a poo and how the poo like goes through the ground and grows back into the grass and blah, blah, blah. The publisher I worked with, Buster Books, I think when I'd sent, I'd sent them some samples and it was very much like, oh, we like your work, but not yet. And then in 2016, I believe they got in touch and said, oh, we'd love to make this into a whole book. Are you interested? I said, oh, yeah, sounds great. Another two years pass. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we're starting to, are you still interested? This is what we're, we're thinking of doing. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. And that's just how that started. And um, yeah, it got super popular, won a Blue Peter Award. The second one's done and is coming out in September. And that's about history. And I'm just about to start working on the third book, which is about space. So I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Right. I say it's kind of like an encyclopedia, but it reminds me a lot of um, how horrible histories works in the way that they, yeah. they pick out the, the disgusting bits and they just make it fun yes. and, and make it really approachable. <laughs> There's no taboo. <laughs> no, no. And that, that's what was really good about it. And that's what's good about the science, uh, not the science one, uh, the history one. So I got to draw a lot of comical decapitated heads. The page about the Aztecs is pretty good because I got to draw a guy holding a heart, human heart up to the sun, but kind of make it look funny. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's really nice. And it was, yeah, it was so well received. Sounds fantastic. So, yeah. so we, we knew that it'd been nominated and we were sort of waiting to hear back. And then I got an email for like the PR person who I, I get on really well with at the publisher. She was like, oh, just to let you know, we've won. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then it was like, I have to go on Blue Peter. And I just had a complete meltdown because I was like, I don't want to go on the telly. I really, really don't want, and I just had this random panic and like my husband will tell you, I just burst into tears <laughs> in the kitchen. He was like, what's the matter? You've just won an award. I was like, I don't want to go on the telly. <laughs> and because it was still, it was like the second lockdown. Can we do it via Skype? And they, they were really good. They let us do it on Skype. So that wasn't too bad. Uh, you've got so, some uh, new books coming out, haven't you? Some new publications? Yeah, Super Dweeb and The Pencil of Destiny. And it's kind of half half written half comics cool. so hopefully it'll appeal to kids <laughs> <laughs> what's super dweeb about well it's about a kid who yeah he's a bit of a nerd he likes drawing he goes on a school trip to a radioactive island and his pencil that he's drawing with gets dropped into radioactive waste and it turns into a giant pencil that can make his drawings come to life and hilarity ensues. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, I, yeah, there's two books at the minute and there's going to be another two over the next year. So I'm just about to start working on the third one of that as well. <laughs> so let's bring it around to a bit of music just to finish off. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I did ask you what kind of music you're listening to with, well, while you're doodling while you, when you're doing all your artwork. So you, you kind of went with Synthwave. I didn't actually discover Synthwave until I think it was 2014. Somehow someone had put um, on Tumblr, when Tumblr was good, <laughs> um, somebody did like a Synthwave playlist and it had like like Power Glove and Perturbator and Laserhawk and all those kind of ones. And I listened to it and I was like, where has this music been all my life? It's like, <laughs> it's like video games, 80s films. Um, yeah, so I, I listened to a lot of that. 
Film soundtracks, game soundtracks, I listen to quite a lot. Nine Inch Nails, I, I still really like. Timber Tomba, there's like one track of theirs on Breaking Bad and it's it goes so well with the scene. I was like, ooh, it's this music and that's how I got into them. Midsummer and Hereditary, those soundtracks I listen to quite a lot. It's, it's really, it's so weird because I, I, I love horror films and horror games, survival horror. So I, I listen to a lot of that stuff when I'm drawing kids books, which is really weird. Or I, I watch a lot of video game long plays while I'm drawing and that's always a lot of horror based stuff as well. So <laughs> I'm sure that helped when you're doing the history, when you're, when you're drawing people holding human hearts. That, that, that kind of thing must <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just put on dead space and, and copy from that and yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, we've um, we picked one of the tracks off your playlist, which was a band called Gunship. So we're going to play Fly for yes. Your Life.
So we have just played a track called Fly For Your Life by uh, Gunship, who are a UK-based synthwave band. They, they kind of take inspiration from old video games and, and arcades and, and got some lovely videos on there as well. Uh, let's have some news, shall we, Kieran? Um, I think the big news we need to talk about this week, I'll just let you go off onto one of your rants. I'll just say, whoa, mad at you and let you crack on. Well, <laughs> uh, it was unsurprising that the government have done absolutely nothing to support the events industry uh, again, despite constant asking and knocking on the door. Um, and I was thinking about this, actually, as I was driving home today in preparation for this soon. I was thinking you can you, you can take it one of two ways. Either the events industry are completely lying and every, everybody for, right the way from WOMAD and Peter Gabriel to MVT to every in, every individual bespoke venue, etc., are all liars or the government aren't helping and, and refusing to help. On the WOMAD post, they wrote that they had repeatedly requested to be a test event. They never got a response back. Um, And yet people are very fairly pointing out that sports events, which are outdoors, Wembley last night was was two thirds full, 60,000. Now, come on, 60,000 people, 2,000 trees is 15,000 people. I I I would just say WOMAD uh, had a cap of 40,000 this year. There you go. I just, I just think they are purposely going out of their way to not be helpful. Um, and if you think otherwise, that is entirely up to you to think otherwise. But I would say you've not been paying attention. It's just an absolute. It's an attack on our cultural heritage. You know, music is what a brilliant thing that the UK does and has done for a long time, and they're just not interested. It just makes me savage, frankly. Feel free to disagree and call in and tell me why I'm wrong. The, the same weekend as WOMAD is um, the Formula One Grand Prix at Silverstone, which is going oh, ahead. Which is going ahead. 140,000, and that's a, a camping weekend as well. I think they're doing camping there. They normally do. I mean, I have no doubt it will be a test event, and that's fine. You know, test it all you like, but why not test WOMAD as well? It just, the whole thing stinks, frankly. It is, it is an attack on our uh, cultural heritage. It is an attack on our, our, our events industry. There's just no other way to view it, in my opinion, unfortunately. There have been some test events. I'm not saying they haven't tried. I'm saying they're not doing enough. It makes me feel so sorry for Peter Gabriel because he is obviously a legend in the UK music scene. He doesn't do things by half measures. It would have been done properly. He's the sort of person you can absolutely implicitly trust. Uh, so it just, It's just gutting, devastating. This is how, it's going to be two years by the time certain things return, like 2000 Trees, like Glastonbury, like WOMAD. Um, many of the other bearded theory and all the other festivals out there that have been postponed. I can't confidently go away and organise and book things. And that is insanely frustrating because, you know, I want to get on and make things happen and make changes to positive cha- impacts on people's lives. I just can't do it. It's devastating. We should wrap up. So if, if, if anyone wants to email sheerisolation at gmail.com is where you can um, get it to, to contact us. Uh, you can find past episodes and um, our playlist of all of our tracks on YouTube and Spotify and all the other um, streaming podcast services. We'll leave it at that then. Cheers, Karen. Bye. <laughs>